do you do you have a specific a memory of when your parents knew that you were two different people depending on like you with your friends mm-hmm. fuck this fuck that at least me i like i had a potty mouth very early uh and then you know obviously didn't cuss at home because you weren't allowed to cuss in front of your parents to right. a certain age or whatever and so i'm just like do you have any like do you remember when your parents uh like knew that you were a little fucking scumbag scoundrel out on the streets you know what i'm saying like or did this never happen to you i have a specific story but i want to hear yours no it never never happened i mean i was allowed to say you know fucking shit at around age 14 15 like my parents would kind of <laughs> laugh it off my dad would tell me like i should probably start smoking weed soon because i need to loosen up so like i i don't think i had the same experience as you yeah well like my parents are like and i love them but they're they're so hypocritical or they're they're evolved how about mm. that they've evolved a lot from where they were when i was a kid to where they are now uh right so back in the day you could make three-way calls I mean, you can still make three-way calls, but do, to do it from a landline, you would make these calls. And then if, if after the call, right, like if I called you and then we called, uh, let's say Skylar, our friend Skylar, if Skylar hung up the phone, but then we didn't switch back to the other line, anytime mm-hmm. Skylar picked up his phone, we would still be on there. Uh, this was like a thing. I didn't know this about three-way calling, right? So like at one point I was like, I'll just call my mom, bro. And I was talking to some friend of mine, three-way call, because it was a novelty. We wanted to three-way call everybody we could. And right. so I'd call my mom and then she'd be like, oh yeah, whatever. And all right, bye. And then I'd be like, bye. And I'd never switch back over. And then like, she's a fucking work or something. And it's just me being like, yeah, fucking fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> I just hear my mom's voice come up and I'm like, ah! scared the shit out of me. I'm just imagining the conversation actually going like that. Like your mom calls like, hey, yeah, whatever, bye, bye. And then doesn't <laughs> hang up. And then you go, fuck, 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 fuck. And then scream. I mean, what, 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 like how old were you when this happened? Uh, I, it, like fifth grade, sixth grade maybe? Like I, was oh, okay. a, I had I mean, a potty that, mouth early. Yeah, that's the that, problem. That's pretty, that's pretty young. I, I do remember like around like age, you know, eight or nine, uh, me and my, my best friend at the time, Clark, uh, who, yeah, whatever, you know, long, long, long ago, um, we, we would say like fucking shit, you know, just to test it out or whatever. I have like a very clear memory of us doing that when the parents weren't around, we'd look, look around and say like, fuck shit. You bitch, felt, you felt you know? uh, emboldened to take it for a test spin. You're like, yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. Try it out. Fuck we, we tried it on and we would go like, oh, okay, we did it. And then, like, I got it out of my system. Um, and then it wasn't until like age, you know, 15 or 16 where I was like cursing like a fucking sailor, yeah. you know? I really did kind of fall off the deep end with with cursing. I like what I I tried early. I have this memory of like the perfect storm. What is that? Ninety eight Clooney movie with uh, Marky Mark and this perfect storm. The That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that movie comes out, and then like we rented on. We're we're in Florida. This much I know, and I think beyond we're in Florida. I think we're in my original house, the one where you met me at, uh, mm-hmm. off Rented. So, so maybe 10 or maybe I'm nine or 10 at this point. And that movie comes out on vent, uh, video rental. And so I rent it and we watch it. And my dad makes me watch it. And I watch it upstairs. They watch some other movie. After I get done watching it, I, I, run, I rewind the tape because I'm kind and I rewind. And then I took it downstairs to them. And like, I, I don't know why I did this. I was just like, wow. I mean, that storm, it was like hell. 
And I like kind of looked over at them and they didn't say anything. So I tried it again as like two minutes later, as I'm like exiting, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, can't wait to know what you think about that storm. It was just so, it was like hell. And he's but Jeff is like, okay. <laughs> like he, called me <laughs> he said it once. You really trying to get a second well, one. Like, <laughs> we get it. Like you're really testing the waters there, so to speak. It's with the really word hell now thinking about Jeff being like, okay, guy, like fucking settle <laughs> down. What was the reaction you were hoping for? Nothing. I wanted abject silence, but when I got it the first time, I was like, they just didn't hear it. <laughs> you gotta tell, oh, you wanted to make method. sure they heard yeah. it and you then you didn't want them to acknowledge it. Right. And which didn't happen. And like the weird thing is like, again, I had a potty mouth early, but that's to my defense, like I have a brother who's 11 years older than me. So, like, it's not like I wasn't hearing every bad word under the sun when I was, like, four and five years old because he's hanging out with 15 and 16-year-olds, you know? Um, right. And so it's like, uh, like, you know, but it was still frowned upon that, like, they knew. I remember this other time where, like, I had a friend call me. Remember how loud fucking landlines could be? Like, if you mm-hmm. had them turned all the way up to the, the highest volume, yeah, anyone... Blow, blow out your fucking eardrum. But, like, anyone in, in, in the fucking tri-state area is going to be able to hear your phone call. It's so loud. And so, like, one of my friends called me, and he literally started the conversation. Like, ring, 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 ring. And I'm like, hello? And he's like, what the fuck? And it was... So, and Jeff is next to me. And I look at Jeff. And Jeff looks at me, and I'm just like, uh... Like, trying to play it off. But we know the fucking game's been revealed, okay? There's no handbook right. here. Uh, and it was just like, every time that happened, it's so weird because like, number one, I heard Jeff cuss all the time when I was a kid. I heard my mom cuss all the time when I was, when I was a kid. Where do we learn these words? It's usually not from our friends or movies. Like they try to play it off. It's like from our parents. Unless I think I it have... actually was from movies for me. Really? Um, cause like, I, I remember, uh, you know, I'd, I'd watch Braveheart when I was like five years old and, and I said to my parents, like, I want to kick some English ass. And they thought it was hilarious that, that is, I said that. To be honest, that is fucking objectively hilarious, though. <laughs> like, like a little five-year-old Max, you know, just really got revved up by Braveheart. It became a um, problem when you started flashing people and mooning people, like, unsolicited. That was the problem. That's yeah, like, that, that was when the behavior went from, like, cute to, like, okay, this is a potential, like, legal issue. <laughs> you would see a child psychiatrist, and you're just like, I just want to kick some English ass. I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> like, years later, I'm still on that Scottish revolutionary kick like one sixteenth scottish somehow so but movies are probably a thing no i'm not gonna lie i mean my brother again like really loved but i like love movies is interesting it's like when i was a kid my brother was watching the vhs of fucking natural born killers and true romance and like pulp fiction and uh desperado just on a big quentin tarantino rodriguez kick yeah, well, just like that, I think that early indie kind of boom of the 90s or whatever, yeah. like I watched a lot of that stuff, which definitely had no problem like cursing, you know, even even like it's weird. My parents really liked Three Kings, which I, I kind of like in memory. I haven't seen it in 15 years, but the uh, David O. Russell flick, like the Iraq movie with Clooney. I've never um, gotten all the way through it. See, I'd be curious to should, see it. All right, let's put that on the list or whatever. But that's what I'm yeah. saying, where it's just like, okay, all of these movies weren't high. Like, the 90s, it's really interesting to go back and look at it for as much cringe as there was in, like, I don't know, fashion, politics, uh, like, uh, music. <laughs> but they really kind of – I think, like, 90s film is really – and I didn't really know that until we were doing the Quarantine Movie Club stuff. Uh, just the amount of like really legit interesting films that were just like lost to the 90s because I was too young to know about it that aren't yeah. like Big Lebowski or Fargo, which are like, oh, they've 
they've been repeated so often that yeah, the, everyone the pedestal knows films it. like they're, they're yeah there are a lot of bangers in the 90s man it was a good decade for indie shit that was like when the indie boom was <laughs> happening beyond tarantino and rodriguez those hacks yeah. not that they're hacks it's just like they, they made a whole career out of like oh look how cool this is it's all the cool stuff i saw in the 70s in one movie like we get it do we <laughs> do we get it <laughs> If, if quietly we, do we well if we had distilled it properly like you think we would have got wise to that but maybe that's the point now we're like selling into that like we should have known stranger things was going to work because tarantino worked you know mm-hmm. like the idea of like oh we can just like put all the shit that we liked as kids but for that next generation that came by you know well see, see we had like a whole off mic conversation about like what are we gonna do you and me to like you know as an idea and like do we just sell out do we just pick and you know cherry pick a bunch of cool shit put it into a blender uh put some genre on top of it and go here you go do we do we make our herbie fully loaded you know like uh the reno 911 guys did like like what do Man. we do to sell out what's the best way what's the easiest way the easiest way it was well, not the easiest way the easiest way is the herbie fully loaded that's that's clearly the easiest way <laughs> like no one wants to have that attached to them you know um no but i think i think it really is to just be like all right look maybe it's a sellout thing but we're not looking at a career as like the first project that we do we're looking at a career because like craig mazin and the, the reno 911 guys like obviously different levels of like acclaim but yeah like, thomas lennon is respected in the comedy world like people really is like best friends Patton oswald and shit he'll yeah, always be a part like of that scene Mm-hmm. Um, and Craig Mazin started writing some really bad movies, but like, I think the idea was like, you got to put your name on some bad shit before you can like get the opportunity to write something really good. I think that's what we should do. I think we should find our comedic X files. And by that, I just mean that we can play procedurally. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like we can play with like, Oh, we can write a hundred of these because the concept is just to think of something outlandish that, that people react to. Uh, well, what, what we would be a genre? Because you've been on a procedural kick lately, I've noticed. Like, what would be a genre that you would want to do? Like, would you want to do like a Law and Order type thing, a sci-fi type thing, uh, well, FBI like, like, murder so the, type thing? The two things that get me: the, the script that you wrote, that I wrote the sixth script for. Uh, mm-hmm. You wrote five scripts, and they're fucking wonderful detectives. Obviously, like that is a procedural kind of baked in. We have an overarching like story that we're trying to tell with that, or you were trying to tell with that. Uh, but like, you could still make it a case of the week and everything's outlandish i told you a long time ago and i just want to kind of retool it uh this was like years ago i came up with this idea and then that ghosted show came out and it made me mad or it was just like do you think we could do like uh like we know the 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 afterlife is real but like and occasionally ghosts be coming back and fucking your property up so now you have to get ghost homeowner insurance and it's just like people would have to go like these two dudes would have to go and and like see if it's real and basically deal with a haunting or something and i was like oh you could just do that over and over again then the idea you told me yesterday by the way all this is copyrighted max christian where's my burrito uh tm that's correct you can't steal Uh, this audience (laughs) what was the one you told me i thought of it you didn't pitch it like this but it's what i thought of about the old dude moving into the mansion or whatever and i'm like that's kind of like frighteners baby like that's that's like your version of. oh yeah well well my my pitch for it it's not so much an old dude he's like a 50 year old you know dad uh trump type supporter you know typical dude who wears cargo shorts and ray-bans and talks about trump and he like he buys this house for cheap and it turns out it's haunted as fuck but the ghosts are not like funny they're like legit terrifying and i just love the juxtaposition of like a trump supporter type and terrifying paranormal activity just mashing together what happens when those two things collide i want to find out probably nothing 
like i mean seriously like they live in perfect harmony like it's it's cognitive dissonance and the ghosts don't know they're dead you know so it's a whole thing it's they, that's a perfect marriage of of self doubt and and well because ghosts are traditional you know they're they're old so they're by and large conservative as a population so they would probably get along they would find a lot of common ground well i think the bit would be that even for people who died hundreds and hundreds of years ago these motherfuckers are two to the right of like even 1600 uh political conventions and whatnot I don't know. I mean, but that's my, my, but to get back to your original fucking point, it's like, yeah, you write something that has like baked in sort of material, you know, like this right. idea of like, oh, well, that's kind of like this meets that. So you can just do that forever, you know? What, what about like a procedural show where it's like witch hunters, you know, but in modern day? And the tension of it is are they actually hunting witches in this episode or are they just feminists? Wait, wait they're hunting feminists, you mean? Well, like like, no, like so these, they're, they're, these two people go around looking for witches, but you don't know if they've actually found a witch or just a modern day feminist. Exactly. Like okay. just a radical feminist who's into witchy type stuff and like healing crystals. Well, here's the problem with that show is like, if I'm a writer on it, you just, you burn them every episode. Cause you don't want to take the chance. Okay. Like, yeah, it could just be a radical feminist and they don't deserve to burn, but could be a witch and they do. Right. So, so, and that's the thing is like, they can't know. And the whole time we want the audience wondering, like, are we just watching murderers mm -hmm. or are we watching like actual witch hunters who are doing like doing good stuff? You know, I have to imagine if there were if witches were real, like if we confirmed it with this show and then we started burning them at the stake every Thursday at C on CBS, that it would start like a witch contingency. Like they would be out there and be like, right, look, I get that they're witches, but damn it, they have rights. <laughs> and then like well, we <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe by episode four, we, we, we lampshade it, you know, we dress it, you know, and, and like have like, you know, like a bunch of feminists or witches, we don't know, right. pursuing a legal action against this witch hunting team, you know, <laughs> we swerve in the middle of the series. And it then it becomes a procedural friendship. about yeah. finding the witch hunters. A fucking courtroom drama of paralegals, right. like coursing over like <laughs> dense fucking legal documents. Like finale could be like, you know, some like impassioned Atticus Finch type trying to prove that witchcraft exists in the courtroom, set a legal precedent for it. I don't know. My favorite part of that is like, okay, well, come on. We know what the showstopper is. You're trying to prove that witchcraft is real in the courtroom. Guess what's about to happen in this courtroom? Seance, motherfucker. Like yeah. we gonna do some witchy shit here and it becomes a nightmare. You know, we go back to the original premise of the show. Like a Suspiria yeah. uh, 2017 yeah. level or 2018 level nightmare. Yeah. Doesn't matter what I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> I love it. I, I think that that has a wide base of appeal. I think feminists and, you know, uh, conservatives alike would love it. It's the shock value of it. People really like uh, to be <laughs> to be titillated, you know? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, j just, just an idea I'm thinking about, you know? Uh, I, I like paranormal shit. I feel like witches don't get their due enough, you know? And I, I was kind of thinking about that angle, you know? So there, there's, there's a connection between feminism and witchisms you know some witchy feminists out there i just want one one case in a in, in human history where like we ever went after men with the same fervor like in a united front you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with like um i don't know that person's celtic or something right like they're redheads they're heathens and shit like that because that's what they did they're like oh yeah we're the english we're white they're i guess white but they got redheads so demons let's kill them um mm -hmm. 
and it's just like it never happens you know like and and i is i did yeah i sent you this message but like i i was watching haunting of bly manor which we may or may not talk about later but uh like like it it did strike me how how many examples there are of like a malevolent ghost that is also female Mm -hmm. what is that well, see, that, like, kind of goes into, like, the devil thing we were talking about in the last episode, right? It's just, like, whoever, like, whoever started popularizing that shit clearly had some mommy issues, I think. Like, mm-hmm. this cold, unfeeling, uh, ephemeral, yet everlasting uh, thing, you know? Like, because that, that's what a mom is. And Tony right. Soprano says that moms are school buses. <laughs> Might I counter <laughs> with that moms are ephemeral beastie ghosts? Like, that's clearly what they are. They loom large even after they're gone. Um, right. Well, well, do you think that, like, making a woman evil is more of a subversion? Like, uh, making a man evil is like, oh, yeah, that tracks. Like, making a woman evil, like, it, it's sort of like you take that kind of maternal figure that's supposed to be warm and, you know, all-encompassing or whatever, and if you subvert that, then that's more terrifying somehow. Well, see, okay, so two things. Lizzie Borden, right? We've talked about Lizzie Borden before and how that's just like a, whoa. And the other one is I remember being in high school reading about um, the bitch of Buchenwald, you know, the, 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 the lady in the Holocaust. She was like the wife of a general and like, yo. I, I don't know that I've heard this story. Holy shit. Okay, this woman was evil. She made lampshades out of like Jewish people. Like that scene in American, Hist- um, American Horror Story season two, the bloody face reveal where she's in his house and she looks at the lampshades and there's a fucking nipple on it. Like actual picture uh, from this woman. uh, Some Ed Gein shit. It's horrific, dude. And so like when, and it's interesting that you're right that like, okay, even as a piece of narrative, let's say you're just trying to be like, oh, a man can be evil. The evil that men do. We know we mean mankind when we say that yet, like it started from men. (laughs) Like, let's be perfectly clear. And yet like when we have examples like Lizzie Borden gets off a murder because no way could she ever do something so brutal um and then the bitch of buchenwald but you're just like well her husband was a nazi like we almost blame him still instead of just being like clearly this woman was uh fucking fucked like something was wrong with this woman uh and i think it is really interesting that like if we want to talk about true feminism right like reaching the idealized goal of that we should just be like women are 100 percent capable of being as evil as man which in theory is 100 percent true maybe it's because like men can kill people with their bare hands and generally speaking like it takes much more effort for a woman to do that you know like all things considered uh that maybe we just we 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 have that antiquated they're the fairer sex they're softer and therefore they can't do this shit and it's like we got to get past that guys get woke whoa okay so like that that's (laughs) (laughs) again you heard it here first this is like multiple podcasts in a row hot takes from christian a women well this is going back to episode 12 women are just as capable of murder as men are did we say that in episode 12 i don't remember this yeah Tell me. yeah you well you, you were talking about uh you were talking about like murder statistics and how like eight percent of women or something like that yeah, yeah and then i made a joke like all right ladies get out your get out there and your hammers and get out there get murdering See, like I, I like that the, like the podcast. We need more female representation. Back. Yeah, we need more yeah. female representation in murder statistics. I think. Well, because even like, all right. So, what was the uh, Casey Anthony thing, right? Which is horrific. Uh, but that's one. Oof. God. Yeah. Well, you no, just gave me a flashback to when I was in the army. 
Um, and I was like on my way out and I was doing staff duty, sometimes 24 hours where I was sitting at a desk and answering the phone and it was just tuned to HLN the whole time. Sorry. Did someone call you about the verdict and they were just like, you no. seeing this shit? <laughs> like, I, man, how can I help you? <laughs> Sorry. Um, go on. I, I fucking wish like nobody fucking called the phone. So I was just sitting there watching HLN the whole time. I did get to watch Titanic once, which nice. was amazing watching that with a bunch of like sleep exhausted army bros. <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched uh, HLN Nancy Grace like on a 24-hour news cycle talking about Casey Anthony as it was happening. And it made me like, I had never like despised a, a human person as much as I did during that time. And I'm not talking about Casey Anthony. I'm talking about Nancy fucking Grace. <laughs> okay, let me tag me in, Coach, which is to say that I am with Toilet Monster at the time. And I am mm -hmm. cleaning uh, like a deep clean. You know, every now you get disgusted with yourself. You're like, we gonna clean every inch of this motherfucking place. And so like the bed is out in the fucking hallway, like <laughs> getting through the crevices and shit like that. And that verdict is on. And surely we're all like, oh, this is about to go down, whatever. She gets off and then it cuts to Nancy Grace, who is just like, what she kept repeating and then throwing herself under the bus of her own like repeated ideology which was just like you know it's american justice it's not a perfect system but it's the best we have <laughs> like but the babies and <laughs> she just kept getting mad about the babies being dead she kept saying the babies are dead but it's right. justice like she was malfunctioning she was on a fucking loop where she had to like be okay with the justice system as it stands and yet Clearly, this was a miscarriage of said justice system. Well, they, they were carting her out there for like seven hours at a time, you know, just on yeah. a fucking constant loop. She was coming up. She was improv baby. Like, she didn't have a script. And she's the reason that we know about Casey Anthony. She's the one who found that case and blew it. Way, not to say that, like, dead baby is not important, whatever. But, like, <laughs> she made that, like, the headline for that year. You Can you know? imagine, like, you're in the editor's room, you're like, I got this story about a baby. He's like, who gives a fucking shit about a dead baby? And then, like, the Dude, next day, it's on Nancy Grace. He's like, fuck. We killed Bin Laden that year, and we talked way more about that baby. Just saying. Do you, like, uh, what, what I find really interesting is we have lived during really significant world history. The Casey Anthony thing, I'm glad you remember exactly where you were. I remember where I was. But globally, I feel like that's probably lost in the sauce, right? Mm. But we lived through 9-11. Like, we'll all remember where we were and how we, how we you know, dealt with it. I well, remember... Well, let's start with the most important thing. OJ. OJ. Bill that's Clinton. That's true. Monica Lewinsky. Okay, so OJ, I don't remember as much. I remember it happening. Don't get me wrong. But I don't remember yeah. necessarily where I was with... with, with that the, well, go ahead. That was Where one were of you? my earliest childhood memories. Is, okay. Is a, well, not earliest, but that was like a very clear childhood memory where I was like the first time I was aware of murder, like oh, as wow. a concept, because oh, like no. my dad was watching it on TV while he was studying for his nurse exam or whatever. Yeah. And I remember like my mom like rushing to turn the TV off because it was talking about like the glove. <laughs> Well, she didn't, yeah, she didn't want me to like. I was like, it was the mere suggestion where they're not even talking. They're like, ah, the glove though. <laughs> She's like, turn it off. Well, turn like it off. they were talking about like blood and like blood splatter patterns and stuff like that. You know, whatever. She just didn't want to ruin gloves for you forever. I think that was her big right. concern. Like, they, they wanted me to wear gloves if I wanted to. You know, yeah. they wanted me to have that option. Never but again. That's that's where never the again. Really it, the gloves are ruined. To this day, have you ever seen me wear a glove? Maybe, no. but probably not. <laughs> I want to. I want to buy you some uh, <laughs> Gosling driver gloves. For her. you even have a car? No, it doesn't matter. Just walk around those bad boys. Take them on the subway. You know, like have fun with it. I just want to look like I can drive. You know, yeah. that's the kind of image I want to put out into the world.
Um, OJ, I don't remember so much, but I vividly remember the the white Bronco. You know, I remember I remember that. Right. Uh, uh, but Clinton, I sort I sort of remember because I have a really distinct memory, and I'm at Mount I'm at Woodlawn Elementary. I'm in second grade when this happens, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, everything's going on, and like, there's this hush. Like, all the kids are like, "Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear?" And then, and people are like, "What?" And I'm, and I was the smartass who was just like, "Oh, I can just say it." And I'm like, "He just said he had sexual relations with that woman," but I'm like six or seven, and mm-hmm. then like other kids were like, oh, "Like trying to tell on me and shit like that." I'm like, "What?" It's what the president said. Like, it really was the early version of what we would have with Trumpism. It's like the president said it. Like, I'm allowed right. to say whatever I want. Um, so I remember that vividly and how it was like a scandalous thing in my, and uh, you know, in my, in my fucking third, second grade class or whatever. And then 9-11, everyone remembers 9-11. But Saddam cool. and bin Laden deaths, like I remember those super vividly too because it was weird. I woke up at like 4.30 in the morning and there was a, and you know, Fox, I used to fall asleep to Fox, like old MASH episodes on Fox 13 in Tampa. Uh, and they had broke through one of those episodes to be like, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) like they showed him in the spider hole and the fucking beard and shit like that. I was like, what? That's not, I like woke my mom up and I'm like, we got Saddam and she freaked out and she was like, what? And she shot out of bed and it was this real like living memory moment. I'm just like, holy shit. You know, I just, (laughs) I'm sorry. Like just that, that image of your mom, like I'm just imagining you telling her that. And then like an actual rocket, she just shoots out of bed through the ceiling into the atmosphere. (laughs) You she never see her so again. Excited. So excited that woman. She turned into a rocket. <laughs> She's somewhere around Venus at this point. Um, no, I mean, well, like, well, I don't even want to fast forward that that far. Like, like okay, just, just the the 2000 election in which yeah. Bush essentially stole it. Like that was the first time where I like started questioning like the foundations of like American democracy at age 10. Um, like that, that was like the first like, oh, America is kind of fucked up. You know, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, that was like the first hint of it for me. I think um, the and, then, with, with... and then 9-11, you know, like that kind of radicalized me at a young age, not radicalized, but it made me much more politically aware than I would have been otherwise. If Gore had been in office, that would not be political. Uh, it, well, it's such an interesting like, oh, God, what if? Well, now we're 20 years past like that moment. I think a lot of people, people look at 9-11 as like, oh, that was the moment. The real moment, as you're totally right about, it, is the 2000 election. I'm mm-hmm. not saying 9/11 wouldn't have happened, like if if, if Gore was in office, uh, that's very pro- like Bin Laden had long before that been like we'll fucking get you guys, uh, but it, it certainly I think response and the transparency would have been much different, and it's really interesting. The, the the problem with pinpointing where I was for the 2000 election is that it went until December, you know, like that was the problem. Like I remember the election night, but I don't remember anything because it was so contentious and like. I remember when Bush finally won, it was more like, and this is not true for adults, I'm sure. But as a kid, mm-hmm. it was a collective shrug. Like, all right, well, like, it's fine. We've been living for a month without a president. Like, it's kind of fine, guys. I think we're going to do just fine. Um, I know that Clinton was like the incumbent at the time, you know, but it, it just felt like it didn't really matter. Uh, mm. Knowing what I know now, it's like, oh, Christ. Yeah, yeah see, I didn't have the option of that because my dad was, you know, super, super lib and my mom was, you know, lib adjacent. So I... uh I, I heard a lot about it, you know, started watching Michael Moore documentaries. It was game over, baby. I remember in sixth grade, I started arguing with my teachers about why I had to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, I, w- I was upset. Did you win that argument? I, you brought this up on the podcast the other day, and I didn't think to ask this question. Did you win that argument? Yeah, I sat out the Pledge of Allegiance, like, throughout 
all of middle and high school. Got it's incredible. Some, got some comments. Got some. Uh, you have- and if you books. did that now as a student, though, like you, they, like, because we're back in the 1920s, like, or 1930s America right now, like, hardcore, like, right. with Lindbergh and, and fucking uh, FDR, like, it's a thing. And it's like, I can't imagine if you're like, no, I'm good. I'm not going to stand for that. Like, the kind of ridicule you'll get from teachers and students who disagree with you and shit, it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that there would also be like more vocal support of that too. Like we're, we're in this like weird dichotomy now where it's like, I think it just depends on geo, geographical location up to a point because like a lot of Generation Z is much more like open about a lot of different things, you know, like socialism and gender fluidity and all this other shit. Uh, so they, they might have some more support than we think. Could be wrong though. How are you feeling about gender fluidity? Do you like the term gender fluidity? Why wouldn't I? I don't know. Do you think that we need to evolve past terms? What, well, I mean, do you, do you think that there's like no use for those terms? No, 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 definitely. No, no, that's not what I'm saying so much as like, there's all this speculation about where we're going as a species. And one mm-hmm. thing that people really do think that is like happening is we're going to get more and more androgynous. And we already kind of see the social uh, societal roles of, of, yeah. of the genders already kind of get upended and shit like that. So I just wonder, it's like, are we just going to get to that kind of zero game where it's like, no one even thinks to really ask or give a shit, like the concept of fluidity. It's, it's so fluid that it doesn't need a name. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not super well-versed on gender fluidity, so I don't want to speak to it, but there, it does like raise a lot of philosophical questions. Right. Um, I guess my question to you would be like, do you, do you support abolishing the gender binary? Like, do, do, are you a gender abolitionist or are you kind of like, there's a place for it or whatever? Uh, yeah, it's weird because it's like, I want to say there's a place for it, but I do think in, in, it does not need to be um, a thing that governs in any official capacity because we mm-hmm. know that like the binary thing isn't, is inherently untrue. Uh, but that doesn't mean like, like the binary thing then just needs to be absorbed by whatever's more than binary that's not trinary or you know, what is it what's the what's the uh, omniary you know what i'm saying like um, omniary uh, I, I don't quadrinary. feel like that's not right but you know what i'm saying i think like it needs to be absolved by that because there's nothing wrong with he and she and a lot of people like the majority of people in the world like do uh, fall into one of those two categories like mm-hmm. so it's like you don't get rid of that what you do is you just bring other people in you know you bring everyone in um, yeah i think i mean that's me do you want to like throw some you're like well according to a wall street journal uh like you, you want to throw some facts at me what's your problem well i well my problem i don't yeah, what's your deal I, guy just, you piece well, of no, shit you know <laughs> i just wanted to ask like where you were at with it you know i mean I, i'm i'm genuinely of a, of a few minds uh with it like uh, up to a point i think that there is like a use for that um because like it's been argued that like for trans people okay abolishing like the gender binary would be kind of like trans erasure um but then there's also like non-binary and gender fluid people who genuinely feel like both or neither and they exist in kind of like a subcategory unto themselves so it, it's an interesting sort of thing like i would have to learn more about like how non-binary people live in opposite. well you're kind of proving my point which is to say that we can name everything under the sun or we can just be like, I don't know, this is what a human is. The essence of a human isn't uh, this or this or this. The essence of a human is all of these things under this umbrella, you know? Sure. And it's like, I think that's the idealized version of it. It's like, eventually we just get to this point where none of that shit really matters, you know? Uh, but 
I don't know how yeah. I don't know how like pie in the sky that is either. You know, like it's like I'll say this, like it's it's really interesting whenever you have people that are against any of the trans shit or like the non-binary shit. But just think about that all of this is so new to the mm-hmm. masses. Uh it's not a new thing, it's been around for forever for fucking forever. But in terms of acceptability, we are like within the last decade still having to have non-trans people play trans people in order to get it made. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the amount of people that I think are accepting uh, this quickly really bodes well for like in the future, none of this shit's really going to matter. It's just the beginning of something. And I feel like it's a much further along race. Again, I could be ignorant about this. What do you think? Sorry. I mean, I I would hope that, you know, we're moving the needle and I think we have, but that also like for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Like we're getting people like JK Rowling who are coming out against, you know, trans rights as a whole. So it, it, it sort of creates this thing where it's like, I don't know, are we, are we going to end up getting pushed backwards by five steps because we took two steps forward? Or is that just going to kind of be like the last vestige of, you know, transphobia or whatever? Um, I, I, I <laughs> Sorry, don't know. Like, that sounds like an amazing miniseries, by the way. <laughs> the last vestige of transphobia starring well, J.K. Rowling and other I, famous transphobes. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Lindsay Ellis did a great video. I brought it up before, uh, Death of the Author 2, Electric yeah. Boogaloo, where she talks yeah. about uh, J.K. Rowling and like why a voice like hers, like we can't just write that off as, oh, some rich lady has some views, let her have them. Um, her views normalize transphobia. Um, so like that creates kind of a big fucking problem. Like turfy shit starts to become more of a, you know, legitimized thing. Uh, so I don't know, like, we'll see where we're at in 10 years. If well, you're saying again, I'm a little saying, worried, but you're saying it normalizes by virtue that she is a very, 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 very public, like celebrity, like super, yeah, super if, rich. Yeah. If, if your first exposure to the question of like, trans people being a legitimate thing is a renowned author with a lot of support saying, hey, trans women or men who are trying to invade female spaces, then that might kind of color how you see that issue going forward. I think it's interesting that you're focusing on that portion of it rather than the absolutely justified and vitriolic response to it. Like, I, 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 obviously there were people who had her back and were like, yeah, go JK or whatever. But I feel like the majority of that was really bad outrage and people who were admonishing her for that. So I think well, of anything to outsiders, it doesn't necessarily normalize it. I see what you're saying, which is just like, well, if JK can do it with her billions of dollars, like without consequence, then what's the problem? I just think that like, you know, we, we're shame-based uh, species, like we really are. So if we just keep shaming people, <laughs> I know it sounds See, bad, but that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, yes, we are a shame-based culture, and yes, there was an outsized reaction to that. But I think that we're also, uh, if we're going to say that, then we might be falling into the trap that we fell into in like 2016 when we thought that that would stop Donald Trump. And a part of that, I think, is because we, you and me, exist in circles that sort of reaffirm our positions. And even if the majority of people think that what JK Rowling was doing was wrong, there is still like a reach and influence that she has as such a celebrated author that can't be like underestimated is all I'm saying. So like that influence is there and it is a problem, I guess. Not saying it's the problem, um, but she's platforming ideas that were otherwise sort of fringe and radical are now a part of the cultural conversation. People know what turf means now. They shouldn't know what that word means. It's a fucking like radical, far, far uh, right 
feminist term um, that existed in like very, very specific spaces that now so, exists in the cultural mainstream. To your point, it's like the equivalent of uh, Trump at the debate saying proud boys. Like it's like no one in an idealized world should know or give a fuck about these chodes, right? But like now on the one of the largest stages you can, it's entered right. into the lexicon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. I, I you know, and, and that's the problem is, is I, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to stop. And I will point out that that very same thing doesn't seem to be working for his benefit right now, but you know, we might be like rapidly entering a world where like all these people with resources that can just secede. Yeah. Let's put all the racists on the moon. This is a little bit kind of like the thing that we talked about before, but I really mean this. Why don't we just, or not even on the moon. Let's not make it that that complicated but like let's just like let all the people who are racist assholes move to russia and 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 you know like do whatever they want literally let's let's go back to world powers let's go back to an actual cold war except it's like everyone who identifies as like liberal and educated <laughs> sorry that's not right uh versus all the ignorant fucking people and just see what happens let's just see what happens when you run a nation like a fascist fucking regime uh versus being a Shit, I'm actually let's not follow through with that because they'll probably win, won't they? Yeah, like, well, the yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if you saw ContraPoints' new video, and I know I, you know, I platform her a lot, but she just did a video on voting where she was kind of coming after the radical left, not liberals, but the left, like leftist Twitter specifically, mm. or people that say they're not going to vote for Biden because he's not left enough. Um, and she was talking about like, you, you all call yourselves revolutionaries, but like the far right is way better at being revolutionaries right now, they have trained militias. They have like regimented like white supremacists that have been like military trained and stuff. Uh, the left is just a bunch of, you know, in her words, like a bunch of cat girls on Twitter. Uh, so it doesn't really like, you know, it doesn't really gel or cohere the idea that like there's going to be some sort of leftist revolution where the workers are going to rise up. Like it's not going to fucking happen. It's going to be incremental change at best. Yeah, I talked about that today with my therapist. I was just like, you know... <laughs> The world could be ending at any point, but like if we get like I'm not scared of this, this and that, but what I am actually afraid of is like Cormac McCarthy's The Road happening, which like we're on that path, okay? Like we are we are, we are a couple bad decades away from just like cannibal baby salad and shit. And I mean like, the state of California, like some of the pictures that came out of that, it was like legit Blade Runner 2049, like apocalyptic imagery, you know, just like fucking burned out cars and just an orange haze over everything. And it's just all covered in ash. Yeah. Vico okay. Mortensen's just walking around with a boy. So add that. <laughs> yeah, Vico is just hanging around <laughs> California. I don't know what's going on. Like fires or no fires. He's always there with a shopping cart and a little baby. Um, no, but like, okay, so factor that in with a bunch of people who now are not governed by the laws of mankind or like you know what i'm saying going around who have access to weapons it's a take what's yours kind of world now like here's the thing i'm not long for that world if 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 not to say like oh i can't punch somebody in the face what i'm not gonna like go around killing people you know, like yeah. if imagine experience crisis. We always talk about that shit. It's like, oh, I can watch The Walking Dead or something. And then be like, I would do this differently in a zombie apocalypse. But like if the zombie apocalypse actually happened, just going to yeah. kill myself, I think. Just get that over. Uh, odds are, yeah, you, you'd either be zombied or you would. Right. Uh, fucking, yeah. Like at that point. Yeah, I was watching this horror movie, The Void, where like some shit goes down in a hospital and interdimensional creatures start like you know, springing forth and stuff. And I was just As like, at that do. point, like, yeah, just kill me. Like, I'm good. I don't need this in my life. I don't want to see what the end of this is. 
And I think I think that like we're we're brave because we're admitting that. That's the thing. Like we're like know thyself. <laughs> You're you a know, coward. I, I really love uh, this podcast because we give ourselves a lot of opportunities to pat ourselves on the back, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Well, we pat ourselves on the back. We're brave. Cowards. We're brave for admitting. <laughs> we're brave for being cowards and admitting Bring this that. right back up. I love it. <laughs> No, but it like it really does sort of come down to that, which is just like we are not the side that wins that war. So mm-hmm. what we need to do is cling to the 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 the, the life rafts of society <laughs> as best we can because that's what's keeping us alive. The minute that goes, it's over. You know, I mean, I, I have a small frame. I could hide in a lot of bushes as long as bushes are still around. So I might be okay. You're fine. Yeah, you're you're really like compartmentalized. Compartmentalized, you know. Me, yeah. I got these broad fucking Puerto Rican shoulders. I'm not hiding anywhere, you know. Like so, the gambit's up for me. I if I would bet on you to survive. Like out of the two of us, it's like we're hanging out, and then like a whistle goes off, or like we get a little uh, like uh, boat alert or something, and it's just like, uh, yeah. We're roading now. The road's happening. Good luck. I'd be like, all right, Maxwell. Like, I'm just going to give you my resources and just kill myself because then maybe you stand a chance. <laughs> For me to go out into that world, I mean, that's, that's a fool's errand. I'm not going to last more than 10 minutes. So, fuck. I mean, you've got the combined resources of you, Dolo, and the dog. So, I think you would actually be okay. I think you're selling yourself short. The dogs I think are a fucking start- liability. <laughs> the dogs would give me away. We got to stay quiet as the motorcycle gangs are fucking knocking on doors trying to get inside and shit. And it's like, you think Bebo's not going to immediately fucking give me away? I, I think Bebo can only do harm accidentally. Like, I remember one time I came over to your house and Bebo just jumped up to greet me and like fucking bit my whole face. <laughs> like my tongue was bleeding. And I was like, all right, this is a good way to start this visit. You were so kind. You didn't even like really get shitty about it. But if anyone bites me in the face, like that again, it's the Puerto Rican in me. I'm milking that for the whole stay. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, you better fucking like offer me a couple free stays without this dog because I uh, lawsuits. I'm litigious. <laughs> well, I mean, do you, do you think that the left should just start militias? You know, just like commie militias and just start start you know as a counter <laughs> commie militias. We, <laughs> we share one gun. <laughs> Oh, it's bad. We don't get any art. Uh, we don't get anything like done. That's the problem. Like our trading efficiency is for shit. Well, I mean, you know, Russia, Russia won some battles, man. You know, like even the battle was Stalingrad or Leningrad, one yeah, of the grads. Stalingrad. They, they just uh, sent sent homies in there with no bullets, no gun, just like go in there, just overwhelm them with just the you know yeah, physical and what space they don't body tell you up. about that is that a lot of them died like that's how we've talked about this <laughs> I feel already like it's implied <laughs> it's implied history books are like oh are we gonna waste a chapter on this no it's implied look what no. they don't tell you <laughs> oh you show me in the book where, where they talk about it it's like it's like the civil war all over again people are like grant's a genius Grant had four times the amount of people. He's just like, fuck it. We could throw He was drunk the whole it. time. He was like, I don't know. Uh, send everyone to the place where the battle's happening. <laughs> it worked out. Like, I, All right, can we do the drunk civil bit. war? Maybe that's what we do. That's our project. We like go back and we fictionalize the civil war. We have to make it over something really innocuous. Not slavery. That's the problem. You can't go White back. Kids You Know actually did a really good, it was like a feature length uh, thing where it yeah, was like hot, right. yeah, civil war on drugs. Um, All it's right. probably pretty beat similar to, to be honest. <laughs> beat, beat us to it. Fucking by ten years. 
we got all this cutting edge fucking material and we're getting beat by these time traveling <laughs> yeah, white I'm kids. So, like you looked so, you looked so happy that you had that idea and I was like, hey, but why these kids you know did it? I'm sorry. It was kid different. Christmas over here. It was different. I just want to do drunk <laughs> Grant. You want but to, I think but you just it. want to be like drunk Civil War. Like everybody's drunk or just yeah. drunk Grant? <laughs> well, because imagine that. Everyone's drunk except the slaves in this scenario. And they are just like... I mean, arguably, weren't they, though? Like, I, what else was there to do? Like, they, they could stare into a fire and tell stories. They were probably right. drunk for that, too. Watch like the they, shadows there was, get long. There was a shortage of activities back then. The, what was that, hoop and stick? That hoop and stick game, you know what I'm talking about? You'd yeah, where they had a hoop and a stick. And a stick. <sighs> White knuckle stuff, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think about that all the time where it's like, okay, maybe everyone feels this way. I am so happy to have grown up when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I'd like to be 20 or something. That'd be cool. But, you know, you know, but, but, but like, I would think, okay, but then I would have missed a decade of formative shit, you know, like I'm really proud to have grown up when I grew up, have enough reference points in the near past and stuff like that. Uh, technology wise, yeah. like where we are, where we are. And it's like, I, I legitimately don't think of any other time in human history. Where I'm like, Oh, I'd, I'd want to live there. Like, cause if I did, I'd be fucking bored anything pre like we were so good our brains have been ruined we got we got the internet at like age five okay that was perfect yeah that was back five when years it came on a disc that was five years of fucking looking at actual books and shit like that and even when the internet came we didn't have it in earnest like in the palm of our hands until much later it was perfect right. like yeah. I, I can't imagine living before or after mostly because i would be either a robot if i was born after or i'd be so bored i wouldn't have done or maybe i would have done things i would have like written a novel like there's nothing else to do i'm gonna drink a lot and write novels like twain see that i mean that that's the thing is like you know i mean for me like being a white person i i've got my my pick of the litter pretty much in terms of time periods to go back into um but i i don't know if i would <laughs> right. want to but but it does make me wonder it does make me wonder, like, if, uh, you know, if I did go back in time, would I get more shit done? And I feel like I probably would. Like, I wouldn't have this constant, you know, glow of a, of a monitor here for me to, you know, like, play a video game or fucking do my taxes or whatever the fuck I want to do. You know, look up how, you know, squirrels hibernate. Here, well, here's my weird thing about it, which is like, because you said you can kind of go back to any time period you want. I don't have that luxury unless I go to very specific places. But is that right. even really true? Like, the concept of being white, I think we tried to talk about this once, and I just got so lost in the sauce that I was like, not able to make this make sense. The concept of white or black mm. or any of that shit doesn't necessarily apply to ancient history in the same way, because the cradles of civilization were like darker people you know um so i'm thinking like egypt egypt were pretty dark people you know like I, i'd have to so, so are you saying that you could kind of benicio it and just sort of like pass in any any society yeah I'm greek i'm egyptian that's my benicio he kind of just stumbles <laughs> through everything it's just marlon brando at that point it is it is it's a it's a sleepier brando you fucking got me when i think about how to do benicio i'm like okay do brando to get sleepier that's benicio I, I'm not even 100% clear on what Benicio's actual voice sounds like because he does like a weirdo accent in, in every he does single now. thing he does. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I was reading that the Star Wars thing where he's got he's got that like stutter, like not in the script. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't imagine it was. It didn't really play. But, but he didn't. You know, he, he didn't did tell it. Ryan Johnson. <laughs> he just did it. He was like, he just, "You're doing okay. 
All right, all right, just roll, just do it. Ryan's yeah. a collaborator, a true goddamn collaborator. He's gonna let you bring it to the I've table. I've heard but, that about him, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Benicio is like my favorite person in the world because he is a shapeshifter. Like, we saw Sicario. That's him, right? Right. That's Benicio. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> it had been a minute. I was like, that could have been Javier. It could have been anybody. It could have been. It's really just him and Javier, where it's like. <laughs> kind of could be interchangeable to be honest or brad pitt as we found out or brad pitt yeah just all three of them i people who are listening i know you're thinking brad pitt does not look like benicio del toro but type it in look at right. it trust us you this know is just brad pitt as anton sugar <laughs> oh man uh all right here's my last bit unsolved mysteries uh, as a concept and a TV show has been fucking consuming my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this uh, yesterday. You've been talking about it a lot. You wanted us to review it. You've been pitching this. What <laughs> about review? But, but I do want to talk about that. I'm annoyed by it to begin with. It's called unsolved mysteries. It's un, like, it's a, it's a vat of redundancy, right? Like mysteries are inherently unsolved. I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't mean to disagree with you again. Like, I mean, sometimes, you know, it, it, if it is once a mystery and then solved, it doesn't stop having been a mystery, right? So it could be a solved mystery. I solved that mystery. No, it's not a mystery anymore if it's been solved. Right. But the mystery had to have been a mystery for it to have been solved. Yeah, but but unsolved mystery sounds like another show where like some guy goes in and reexamines the evidence and is like, ah, I don't know about this. Let's unsolve this mystery, and he like starts poking holes. Oh, in so like reports. a solved mystery, and then they unsolve it. <laughs> yes, they're like, no, I think there's some doubt here. <laughs> so they just cast enough doubt into a solved case, reopen all the files, every Open murder case in America. They're, they're not going to stop until every murder case in America <laughs> the is unsolved. The reverse of the closer. They call him the opener. He goes around. 